This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, patrons like Nathan and Ruby Teats. If you want us, if you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchtrap.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. Listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, a JRPG Games Club podcast. This is season 10, episode 8, covering days 26 through 30 of Wolf Shride. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. I have a pronouns of he, him, and with me today are my esteemed co hosts, Sybil Arnett, any and all pronouns. Brian Beatty, my pronouns are they, them. Uh, last time we convened, uh, Duke was missing, and the story completely stopped to a halt when we tried to figure out what was up with him. A bunch of robed weirdos arrived and started spreading out around Rain City. And through Duke's disappearance and reappearance, we got the origin stories of both Knife Leopard and our mech known as Cowboy. We got them both via trauma. Uh, and we got the story of Cowboy by meeting a character named National Legend. And I suppose we will need to know that again because he does show up again after Day 26, where when we start the day... Duke apologizes to the crew again for his absence, but they're just happy to have him back. Peepoo does try to pretend he liked Duke being gone, saying the peace and quiet was nice, and Neb calls him out on how much of a lie this is. Shade fires the crew up, and we're back on track, ready to start our hustle. Nothing overtly changes around town with Duke's reappearance, but you're shuffled to the Midnight Rider as a daily quest, because it turns out Shade wants a drink. Despite this, Z and Peepoo finally have a selection of new parts and skills for the first time since day 17. Hit them up in this recording block. When you arrive at the Midnight Rider, a guy named Skullman is watching one of the bar TVs, griping about that guy again. That guy is Typhoon, a mech pilot who set a world record and jumped 100 ranks from 199 to 99 by a stroke of luck. However, He's now in jeopardy because it's three days to the deadline where he loses his position if he does not accept any challengers. He's been just like sitting on rank 99 and not allowing anybody to challenge him. Shade decides that he's going to look into this, but his only lead is that the man has a twin brother somewhere in Rain City. Hmm. Interesting. At the bar, Joy asks how things are going as you small talk over your drink. She asks why you keep doing all these little chores around town when your gang is on the come up, and Shade just says, I like doing it. He then turns it around on her, saying he heard she was an ex-bounty hunter. She admits it and says the line of work became very crowded some time ago and stopped paying as much, but she might get back in the saddle herself soon. And uh, this is where we hear the first plot mandatory mention of the mysterious lullaby who all the hunters in town are seeking out. Shade asks discreetly, would that happen to be you? And she goes, no, but it would be fun if it was true, wouldn't it? And she then flips the conversation around again, asking what Shade's whole deal was. And he tells her about it. He was ex-Yakuza, never one of the big guys, just a small-time enforcement uh, doing moot work, but then he screwed up big. She says that maybe when this is all over, they'll run into each other again, 
And Shade's only response to this is nightly. I chuckled a little bit because when they're kind of doing their little flirting thing, Joy calls Shade cowboy with a small c cowboy. And because cowboy is is a a proper name in this, I'm like, wait, wait a minute. But it's just it's just, you know, she's using the word cowboy and not mistaking shade for knife. Uh, or knife's mech rather. Uh, also, I think this is where, like, uh, you know, they're they're talking, and Shade is like, "Yep, just gotta keep fighting." And Joy is like, "You never give up, do you?" And Shade says, "All the time, actually." And it has the it, he's got the cool smiling Shade, like, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm so yeah. badass for giving up all the time." That's right. <laughs> if it sucks, just leave. Shade knows <laughs> the score. <sighs> So at the end of the day, Shade has had the team look into Typhoon. He won't tell the team how he's going to force the man to take this fight, which pisses Duke off, but says he's got a lock before deflecting into Peepu's mech intel. The mech is a limited edition Saint Sailor Sayori, which is a regular enemy in the special section of the mock fight, so you can be very familiar with this by now. Unsurprisingly, this is a Japanese mech bottle, and it is a very light frame, incredibly quick. Despite this, it has multiple buster cannons on it. Let's say Typhoon. if you're not Sybil, you are familiar with this mech from the special fights and also got annihilated. Well, uh, I have a funny story about that in for like 30 seconds from now. <laughs> Great. Uh, Typhoon was the singer from a 90s punk band, Oops, I Farted and the Little Shits. Fuck off. Uh, so I loved this, actually, and the reason why I loved this, why it made me laugh, is that uh, the, the detail is revealed that as long as it's, like, a proper noun, like a band name, um, it gets through Peepu's sensors, and the reason why I like that here is that this game works so hard to call a bunch of attention to a lot of very big obvious jokes in ways that make me roll my eyes but here i kept expecting people to go oh wait i can say pee but he never says it and so it's just it, he says oops i farted in the little shits and he's allowed to say shits and then the game moves on and oops i farted in the little shits is a dumb band name but the fact that people can say it and the game doesn't yell about it made me laugh Honestly, I'm also, more willing to... Also, it's not to... that much dumber than some, like, punk band names that friends I know are in. <laughs> yeah, fair. Only a little sure. bit. But as someone actually covering punk and adjacent on another show, terrible joke. My friends are in a punk band called Porn Bloopers, which uh, I think is a very inspired name. Yeah, that's a good that's name. That's great. And unlike this, it doesn't have to try and cram the joke down your throat. That's exactly the problem I have with this. It goes two steps too far. It's funny. It's it, two jokes at once. One is two, te two steps too far. The other one is one of the more subtle ways that they've told a joke. I'm going to be honest. I think the I don't... problem with jokes in video games is that they're always, the second you are told it, and it's in like the main path, if you don't like it, it sucks and feels like cramming. Well, mm -hmm. related to that, A, the script is having a lot of typos and editing problems at this point. I don't call all of them out in the notes, but that combined with until I hear a specific use of this from Peepu, 
I'm going to presume they just fucked up and didn't catch that. Oh, I don't think so. I, I, I think that this is subtle and on purpose. But B, related to Chris's statement, I have been playing the new and I guess final Rip Volition Saints Row game, and I think a lot of the story writing is terrible in that game, the main quest, but there are jokes which I find very good because they are not called out, like just running into a bootleg quick stop from Clerks that is completely metal door, unable to lift. Nobody talks about it. It's great. It's a good background gag. And then there's the quest wherein I get some of the coolest stuff in the game, but also the boss just starts directly quoting Portal along with an NPC, and I hate it. Mm. So, yeah, a land of contrasts and shoving it directly in my face and running the joke into the ground is so much worse than just one stupid little bootleg. Anyhow, Duke doesn't love the sound of cannons being on a mech, (laughs) but Knife is just enamored with this idea because he loved the band. And at this point, the crew decide to remember to bring Duke up to speed on Cowboy's unique nature as the P1 Gallo 07, and the day wraps. So before I wrapped the day, I was like, you know what? I've been afraid of these three and four star uh, special fights in the arcade machine for too long. Let's try them out. And then with Z's new parts and the night killer move, I demolished the three and four star the uh, special fights. And so I've only got the two five stars left and I jumped like seven ranks in uh, in the battle pass and got a whole bunch of pineapples and money. Um, it was yeah. All of a sudden, the three and four star ones became very easy uh, when they initially seemed impossible. I do. I think there might only be like one or two more tiers in gear left. Mm-hmm. I can believe it, given what I've seen ahead. So day twenty-seven begins, and the round table at the beginning of the day. Duke can smell a cat somewhere in the hangar, and first he takes it out on Shade, saying he's sick of the fixer constantly playing with Z's cats. But uh, then he realizes that it is too strong a scent, and at this, Knife begins to uh, freak out a bit as Duke begins just, like, sniffing around the place. It's, like, the, the way that animal people are just like normal in this world and still have the occasional trait of the animal is very bojack horseman uh but it is cute to me how much duke just hates cats and whenever anyone is like why do you hate them so much he's just like you wouldn't understand that i just hate them a lot uh nebraska is a little bit too quick to deny knowing anything and she does her extremely goofy suspicious face which duke calls out a day later but it's a very very funny face duke cannot quite pinpoint where this uh, smell is coming from and nebraska tries to deflect by giving us a list of tasks for the day she wants us to help set up knife's surprise birthday party and so she wants us to both hand out Invites to everybody, which is an eight-part fetch quest that requires us to just go to all the locations and talk to everyone, including the goat, uh, which is great. I'm glad the goat needed to be there. But if you do the normal rounds every single day, this does not feel like too much of an ask, too much of a fetch quest, because you don't have to like yeah. backtrack or anything. But if you are uh, mainlining and not doing like 
a check-in at every single location every single day, I could see how this would be annoying, I'm, I guess. I'm so yeah, test about just this says play the game. Because three people have identical dialogue, which is no dialogue. So you're just filling things out. <laughs> that is true, but also Knife doesn't have any friends. Like, yeah. you're, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here to begin with. I don't like this quest because I had to do it no less than three separate times. And it's all unskippable. Why did you do this three times? My main run, the 100% run I did for these notes, and then I forgot to save at one point and had to redo this whole day. Oh, extremely owned. I'm salty because a lot of this is unskippable. The game just takes away your cutscene skip button in this episode. Mm. When we head out to invite people, Kaya is very polite about it, asking if she should bring a gift. And also, since she's never met Knife on account of Shade doing all the shopping, uh, she doesn't wants to know what he likes. And Shade just goes, I don't know, I guess pineapples. And she's like, fine, I guess I'll find something nice in our store. Hog is all in instantly, as long as the party isn't vegan. Party food isn't vegan. Neb has some extra requests from Hog, so we give him a list off screen where he wonders what it's for before saying, well, I'd give a dime that I know what goes through the empty skulls of kids these days. And he hands the invisible items to Shade, remarking, it's amazing we can carry all of that around, whatever it happens to be. Z is shocked when you deliver her the invite, thinking she was already invited when Nebraska came by earlier. However, she also did not give Z a list of stuff to do, which Z looks over, saying she'll do what she could do. And she also goes, it's amazing how much you can carry in your pockets. Fancy Jack is all in because he's been uh, metal polishing and finishing for days and can't feel his fingertips anymore. So he could use the break. Neither Shade nor the Mangoose say anything, exchanging ellipses before uh, Shade goes, guess that's a yes then. And then uh, also, you get to go invite uh, Hog's Goat in case you forgot that uh, Hog's Goat is named Barbara or never talked to her on like day one through four. Yeah, I did not actually know you could talk to the goat before now, so I legitimately did not recognize the name Barbara. Yeah, there's like an extended bit about why Hog named it, named her Barbara, which I cannot remember anymore. It I'm might gonna have guess an ex-wife. Yeah, I was gonna say it might have something to do with yeah. one of his ex-wives. I'm ninety percent sure that's it because that's Hog's whole bit. Yeah. Yep. I had to explain the character of Bounty Hog to someone in the house the other day, and it <laughs> basically ended up being seven times divorce energy in a huge can. I love him. Yeah, he's uh, his monologue uh, about getting old later is so great. I think he is one of the stronger characters. I will give you that. Uh, Sayuki's cutscene is identical to the last two, except the final dialogue is just her response of I'll go instead of a shade comment. Maze is similar, but not quite the same. Shade is silent, and she spits out one word at a time, eventually answering, I think, maybe. Shade replies, okay. When you have cleared the list, talk to Joy and begin setting up for the party, where you will see an unskippable intermission. At the hangar, we see the various members of the crew stalling knife so he doesn't go to the rider too early. Duke fails, and eventually Nebraska gets in with the request to help with her homework. But he blazes through this, 
because A, he helps his sister's kids all the time, and B, he's a math whiz, which we've seen. And just as it seems he's about to leave, Pipu then intervenes and forces him to take on advanced virtual training. Before we can go for a third round of this, the screed fades to black and resumes on Joy's done. If I were in knife situation here, I would be so mad because, like, he's exhausted and all of the tasks that they are stalling him with require a lot of either mental or physical effort. And if he's just tired and wants a drink, like, if I showed up to my surprise party after having to do a bunch of shit instead of just, like, being taken around to, like, you know, get lunch or whatever, I it, I I would be like, well, I don't even want to be here because I just want a drink and to go to bed. Uh, I So, like, yeah. Uh, kni- knife gets screwed because he's too excited <laughs> to go relax at the bar and ends up having to do a ton more work before he's able to go to the bar. With an extra punchline to come. Uh-huh. So, um, at the Midnight Rider, everyone is waiting in the dark for the crew, and then uh, Hog is the one who is over-enthusiastic about shouting surprise uh, before anybody else is able to, and we fade back in on everyone at the Rider's entrance. May made him a banana pie for his birthday. Nebraska made sure everything was meat-free, which causes Hog to wince and groan. Uh, Then we flash forward into the party a bit. Neb has come up with a variant on the old party game known as Werewolf or Mafia, but she calls it Teke Teke after the ghost of a schoolgirl that was cut in half by a train. Like, a lot of the adults are very freaked out and unnerved by this and, like, play along because they're like, ah, well, you know, Nebraska's charm is just so infectious, but are like, they're like, this is pretty fucked up, actually. So... A basic overview of the game Mafia, if you've not played it before. Uh, Basically, there's one person in the killer role. There are two hunters whose job it is to, as long as they're alive, they would be able to kill who the people accuse of being the killer. Uh, And then uh, there's some more, like, sub-rules, depending on the variant of the game that you're playing. So the other roles can make defensive plays to try to take out the killer before it becomes impossible for the normies to win. Every round, there is a day phase and a night phase. Uh, The daytime, everybody votes on, uh, after they wake up and there's been a murder, everybody votes on who to uh, extrajudicially murder, uh, who they think is the killer. I'm Uh, sorry there's not a court system inside of the game of Mafia, please. I'm using... I'm using the word extrajudicially murder because the word lynch is so racially loaded to me. That's true. Uh, That's true. That's fair. fair. Uh, so with without a consensus, no vigilante death occurs. At nighttime, the killer and maybe the special roles, depending on the variant, all perform actions. So the roles like the here most are classic fucking forum game that has ever existed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I won yeah, 50 yeah. bucks on one once. And I, I played it around a lot of campfires uh, as as a camping kid also. So the roles here are Teke Teke is the killer. Uh, the demon hunters are the ones who, um, so long as they're still alive, the demon can be killed during the daytime. But if they both die, then the killer wins. Uh, the killer does not have to kill all of the townspeople, just the two townspeople who are capable of killing it. 
Teke Teke's lover is a player who knows who Teke Teke is and uh, uses the daytime phase to try to convince the townspeople to uh, kill the hunters instead of Teke Teke. But if the lover dies, then Teke Teke gets two kills uh, from then on. And so unsurprisingly, uh, we the player, uh, our role is just a normie townsperson. The rounds play out as a lot of crosstalk and accusations, and then you get asked to make a vote between two people. The first round picks are Duke and Pipu. I chose Duke, he was a normie, and the night kill was Pipu, who was not lying when he claimed to be a demon hunter. Same. I definitely picked Pipu because it's very funny when Pipu protests a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> the round two choice is to kill Barbara or let Barbara live. I chose Liv. Nobody died that day. Hog was killed at night and was a normie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same. Round three, everyone's very paranoid. Jack suggests that Z did it, and May points out that Jack has been uh, suggesting a lot of people are the killer, and this time she's going to vote for him. Uh, and the round three choice is the Mangoose, the Mangoose <laughs> versus Z versus Fancy Jack. I chose Mangoose, and he was the lover, meaning that there were two night kills, May and Joy, both normies. I I I love the detail that the lover is is a character who does not speak and so does not try to influence anyone to kill anybody. He's just being the mangoose. So yeah, that's, so good. That, Look, that was fun to me. He flies on by. <laughs> Round four choice: Jack versus Neb. I chose Jack as he was the victim. Uh, night kills were Neb and Kaya, both victims, normals. Uh, and round five is a uh, knife, Sayuki, or Z. I chose knife by accidentally mashing oh. through the prompt, and he was a demon hunter, which ended the game, and Z revealed herself to kill us all. Um, My version, I don't remember who I chose for the last one, but Z did not reveal herself. Once knife died, uh, Nebraska was like, okay, game over, that was fun. And everyone's like, so who is the killer? And Nebraska goes, oh, we don't get to know that. And just they move on. So I did not. I had a suspicion that Z was the killer, but um, uh, Sayuki was one of the victims for me. And so, okay, this the tonality of this is so bizarre because when a murder happens, the player all of a sudden who got murdered is like on the floor and covered in fake blood and it really made me go for a second i was like wait is this game gonna have a twist and like all these characters are just gonna be for real dead because everyone was treating it so seriously and then there is also the detail that we've not really gotten a chance to get to know Kaya besides her being like the shop owner who wants to be friends with Shade because she thinks that Shade could like help them with stuff. And Sayuki is like, uh, no, he's shady. Um, 
no pun intended. And here we discover that she is incredibly bloodthirsty and all of the like horror movie stuff that Nebraska is peddling in, she is eating up and like, she's like, I want to see some heads roll. I want to see some blood. I want to see some decapitations. Fuck yeah. And then if her mom gets murdered, she's like, oh no, what have we become? What has become of us? And this was, I was just like, okay, they're... That's great. They're treating this. Yeah, I didn't see that. That's yeah, great. They're just like they're 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 treating it so seriously, and then the lights come up, and I'm assuming that some of the stuff that Nebraska asked for was like ketchup for fake blood from Joy or some shit like that. But it is it like and like the, the noisemaker because the noise is like definitely diegetic, like that increasing like speed ticking noise. Yeah, yeah. But it all all of a sudden it like it turns into Danganronpa before the the lights then come back on and Nebraska is like, okay, fun game, thanks everybody. And Z is like, ugh, that was weird. <laughs> Yeah, in both of the endings I saw, because since I had to rerun this again, I went for a perfect game, which is taking Z out on the third round. Z revealed herself both times to me, and on the first run I did, when you take out Knife, Z basically just starts camping it up, horror movie monster style, go, ah, I guess there's nothing else in my way, ha <laughs> ha and on the three-round run, it's basically, you know, you can't kill uh, you can't kill a demon with a bullet, and she still makes an ominous, menacing statement on her way out of the game. That's great. That's great. Yeah, the vibes mm-hmm. are really good on this. Yeah, but they're so weird. Also, it's like it's just like yeah. So the yeah to the point where I was questioning if 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 these things were being murdered for real, which obviously like we've got half a game left, so no. But still, this is like the most prime example of what we said in episode one, where the the Wolf Strides trick is just whatever the vibe is, let's go for it as hard as possible. Yeah, yeah. I am surprised to find out that there were other variants in there because the first few days did not change for me so i'm guessing you must have killed jack on day three yeah that's the only thing i could think of that would have changed it yeah i think i did i jack on day three makes sense i i should have taken notes on on to exactly who i killed but i remember jack dying so yeah this is like surprisingly robust it turns out Uh yeah i was actually impressed because i did dick around with it a little on one of the other ones and uh, I was mostly just trying to see if the prize you got from Fancy Jack changed, whether you did a perfect game or not. It does not seem to. You no. get a heavy head fancy frame. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, I do also love it. It wasn't just Hog wincing about it being meat free. It's also Duke. And just like Duke and Hog have a lot of synergy this episode about being grumpy old dads. Just yeah. one of them's grumpy and one of them's jolly. Mm hmm. After the game is over, Shade sneaks off to smoke on his angst cliff. Uh, Knife locates him with ease, <laughs> saying people are looking for him. Knife calls Shade out, saying, Neb said she got my birth date for my pilot registration. Uh, you filled that out. This isn't my birthday, dude. And then Shade gives the big, like, grin, saying, I know, which is so good to <laughs> me. Uh, <laughs> and then a GW monologue closes the day. I always figured death should be something glamorous, romantic. If I had to go, I'd like to be beheaded. A warrior's death. A sacrifice. 
a symbol for something. It wouldn't just be about my biological functions shutting down. I wanted sparks, fireworks, explosions, a masterpiece to be remembered. I wasted too much time dreaming about it, like it was the end of my story, the end of all problems. And now I see the full panorama. I was such a fucking fool. But time, death, they're both illusions. What's left for me is now. the mom- This moment in time, constantly marching towards the unpredictable. And then that takes us to day 28. There is no start of day table. This is a free roam day. Duke quizzes us on how the fight arrangement is coming along. We say it's a lock. Get ready for the day after tomorrow. Everyone in the hangar is talking about horror movies as a result of last night's game. Kaya says Neb came by to the store earlier, and the girl is now incredibly amped to know there's another girl her age in town. Maybe they'll be best friends, or Neb will get a part-time job at the RNG, or maybe they'll both borrow Sayuki's truck and head off to the shooting range. And uh, Sayuki makes a face somewhere in this because Kaya is getting much louder. Mm-hmm. Uh, by this point on my good playthrough, I had maxed out the arcade. It turns out the money it holds for you caps out at $2,000 and will never go over that. No. Also, Cal runs out of shit to say immediately. I don't miss this on my other file. Ba- basically, you just check in like every two days because I think you get like $900 a day. Mm-hmm. This also, like, so, uh, Kaya's like, uh, oh, yeah, we can, like, go to the shooting range or, uh, you know, like, steal my mom's truck for a while, uh, makes a lot more sense if you've gotten, like, Kaya's bloodthirsty nature by this point. And it just, it, like, thinking about their misadventures together, it, there's this extremely dumb joke from third rock for the sun that has lived on in my memory forever like sometimes a weird throwaway joke that you witnessed in your childhood did and it is Kristen johnson who's like the woman alien is is was a man alien who had to be in a woman's body etc etc third rock from the sun whatever and she wants to have a girl's night with nina campbell who's a human woman and she's like oh yeah girl's night and sally's like yeah we could watch girl movies like full metal jacket and nina's like uh or a romantic comedy or something and just the the like kaya is a girl who would organize a girl's night and watch Full Metal Jacket. That's Look, all. Kid, kids love to be bloodthirsty, basically. Like, kids love to be <laughs> edgy is where it's at. Like, when you're a certain edge, age, just whatever is edgy is cool. <laughs> the edge age. Quick, call Audrian here and get the most bloodthirsty statement you can out of her. <laughs> Mother is irritated. May stump... <laughs> uh, May stumbles towards us, asking a question before going, never mind. Z says that the girl had fun with the party, as did she. Hog's gone into town, but Jack is minding the scrapyard and says he had a hell of a time. Joy says she likes Neb. Got the soul of an artist, that girl. But with that said, though, she asks Shade what his plan is. He says, win some fights, make some cash, get out of town. And Joy agrees with this, saying, as much as I like it here, this ain't my place. Uh, It... Rain City being like feeling like a small town, but with big city trappings and then all of a sudden becoming like a haven for uh, outcasts of all stripes, bunch of bounty hunters, bunch of like, you know, uh, mech fighting shitbags. Um, It's I understand why it might not be someone's place. 
Well, what it's a lot like is like there's a lot of places in Pennsylvania like this where like deindustrialization hit really hard, and that's the vibe that Ring City has to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Same. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, um, the end of day 28, instead of the round table, we get probably, no, definitely the most annoying foam gun interlude so far. Phone gun, phone gun. The phrase people trash is inspired. I will give foam gun that. Everything else about foam gun, I am extremely not here for. And this one. I wonder if this is like test, like play test feedback where people forget what has happened before. It's possible. It's possible. But it, yeah. So here, all he does is basically give a one sentence recap of each of the last few fights and then does a lot of like fourth wall shitting and tells us to cry more if we care about it. And I want to call out his actual phrasing sucks so much because he says, Isn't Foam Gun a woman? Um, I actually don't know. It's, uh, I swear there's a she at some point. Let me check the script and see if it says. Okay. But keep going. So Foam Gun says, I eat suspension of disbelief for lunch. Lots of ketchup. Hot spice. And that is the most fucking monkey cheese shit that this game has thrown at us so far and it really made me roll my eyes and do a dismissive jerk off motion and then yeah he's like oh god or they're like um oh god i'm breaking the magic keep crying trash it i i I fucking hate foam gun foam gun is not very good but then before we get the news bulletin, Foam Gun threatens to jump in and do some meddling of their own and tells us, while well, chapter six is a downer, chapter seven sure is something. And then yeah, we get a Foam news Gun b- is a woman, according to okay. the script dialogue. Foam Gun snaps her fingers as a stage direction. Thank you. Okay. Um, so I will make that a note for all my future notes. Uh, then in we get another news bulletin, and this news bulletin says gas stations and drivers went on a full strike Tuesday due to price hikes and fuel after the recent bombings. 21 countries worldwide are experiencing shortages and essential services, presumably in our country, are receiving government support to remain operational with measures to minimize traffic in cities being implemented. The IPP is still investigating the heart of the Pacific oil rig explosion. The company's books have been discovered to have, quote, many irregularities and a corruption scandal is rocking the HOTP Corporation. That corporation's president, Marcus Delafont, and four other company directors are currently being arrested. Other employees remain under investigation as the IPP now suspects the bombings were a cover for these irregularities. However, the IPP do not discard the possibility of terrorism. And I want to say real quick, this feels like the character storyline and the world-building storyline are going to collide at some point in the future, but I almost like it more if this is just world-building for its own sake and the game is just, like, peeking outside the window at the world that the characters occupy and and won't really touch on it. I don't want to know if the two storylines collide yet or not, I want to discover that for myself. But I was thinking about it and I was like, honestly, I might prefer it if it was just 
hear every now and then to be like, oh, by the way, here's what's going on in the world of Wolfstride. I won't say whether or not this is going to directly impact us, but I will remind you, hey, do you recall how some of the top-ranked mech fighters were rich people who were involved in corporations and government? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Something to think about as the ranks change. Yeah, for sure. Also, I fucking knew it every tournament anime ever there is an episode where they have to make a huge jump that then makes the timeline make more sense and i was waiting for it and it's finally here and i was like ah of fucking course okay it's here anyway takes us to chapter five the dead motherfuckers society the chapter same screen quote is tuned in turn on drop dead at the start of day round table duke asks again if you have a fight or not and shade says they do and nebraska begins praising him but duke is clearly skeptical especially since shade will produce no evidence to back this up uh, yeah, once again, it's uh, like the the perspective and how we only occupy the characters in our lives when we're actively playing them and we only actively are playing them when they're doing specific tasks uh, works to the game's benefit because we like feel like we should know everything that Shade does, but we don't. So clearly he's done something shady off screen and we don't get to know that yet. And everyone's like, are you sure we have a fight? We haven't met anybody that says that we have a fight. And he's like, yep, we do. And I'm sure that what, uh, like, what his shady shit is will be revealed later. But for right now, it's just like, we don't fucking know. Uh, Shade says there is, and not only do the other characters have to take his word for it, but we, the player, also have to take his word for it. And I think we can put two and two together by the end of this recording session, but we'll get there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Duke is still going on about a cat being in the hangar. Says he found a strand of fur in his cereal this morning, which is, uh, could be, could be his, my guy. I love that. Uh, Nebraska makes a face so alarming at this that even Duke goes, what the crap? Do that again. For what it's <laughs> worth, he says it is a strand of pitch black fur. Oh, yeah, yeah. Peepoo is pretty sure he knows where this phantom cat is, but says Duke will never suss it out since he's as blind as a bat, and the two begin sniping at each other. Uh, there's a great exchange here. One of these days you'll get a one-way trip to Hog's Yard, muggle. Been there, done that. I know my way back. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Either way, when we head for the exit, Shade thinks wherever that cat is, it's probably hungry. So your assigned mission for the day is feed the cat. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, around town, literally nobody can be spoken with in town today who has a name. Not an exaggeration. Every NPC has been reduced to nothing but minigame and shop prompts. Go to the Rambler, buy some cat food, and head home. There's a fun bug I discovered here where if you clear a daily task, save and reload, it just erases it from your menu, leaving me wondering if my save was before or after I had done this since it was in the hangar. It when just, you go to well, it's that there's you don't have like a real inventory. It's a, your inventory only tracks gadgets. I also forgot that I had finished this in the exact same situation. Uh, when you go to close the day, Duke asks if you got rid of the cat, and Shade responds with an ellipsis. Off camera, Shade deliberately feeds the unseen cat, asking if it is hungry, and then realizes clearly not as it does nothing with the food, and goes, somebody else feeding you already? Shade, you're so bad at this to not pick up on this, man. Yeah, yeah. Obviously it's Nebraska. Yeah. 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 Also, the cat be there. Yeah, right. So, uh, sorry, I lured one of my neighbor's cat to live under our deck by feeding it, and now I don't have to deal with like annoying pests in my yard. <laughs> nice, nice. We just don't have a yard. So we hit day thirty. It is the day of the cowboy versus Sayuri fight, and thirty-three days remain. At the start of day roundtable, Duke confirms that the arena has called, and we are on to fight Typhoon. He then follows it up with, whatever you did to arrange this is legal, right? And Shade is like, yeah, of course, of course, it's, it's totally legal. Uh, Nebraska and Pipu mentioned that Knife should get ready for the spotlight if he wins this, because this will leap them to the center of the news. He says, it's fine, he's grown up with a lot of hardship, he can handle it, but... uh he is also clearly very nervous a little bit later. Also, at some point, Pipu tells us that um, he has finished watching all four seasons that of That is just Saint a second Sailor. later, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, no so yeah, around... Oh, right, because we haven't done the hangar check-in yet. My bad. So yeah, then uh, we uh, during the hangar check-in, uh, Duke says he hopes whatever happened here did not dig them any deeper than he already has. My guy, your dad's not the problem. It's Shade being a piece of shit, but whatever. Uh, people you just like, don't don't sit with your guilt from gambling debt. I mean, do, but like, that's not what has gotten you folks into the mess that you're in. Uh, Pipu has prepared for this fight by watching the entirety of Saint Sailor Sayori's magical girl, girl anime. Apparently, it was very weirdly muddled and had the girls fighting vegetables like a cucumber. Nebraska reveals herself as a secret fan by correcting him, being like, oh no, that's an alien. He just looks like a cucumber. Also, I love that they, it's about girls that transform into mechs, like the one about girls who turn into battleships. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hitalia? Um, no, that's Azure Lane. Hitalia is the one where a bunch of twinks are cum trees and racist. Fuck. Well... <laughs> <laughs> anime strikes again uh so, let it be known yeah, that Neb i'm free of super... sin and haven't seen either of these great i mean i haven't seen either of them i just know about both of them neb is really hype for the fact that this is going to make the news and she can shove it in the faces of all the kids back home knife is glad that everyone else is so excited about this fame doesn't really mean much to him he swears heading around town Hog is cheering for us, saying it's a big night for Cowboy, but Jack won't make it as he's got a legend to fight of his own. Visiting the Rambler and Gambler will have Sayuki recognize you. 
Which is apparently strange, because we met her several times. She was at a party with us, and a bunch of other shit. And uh, she recognizes us from doing favors with the old lady around town, and uh, everyone, actually. And she asks why you're so amenable. Is it because you're an ex-con? Uh, but she doesn't care about the why. She just needs someone who can do an occasionally de- occasional delivery for her. And uh, Shade wishy-washily accepts this, and she like berates him for it. And we now have um, BDSM missions for the Rambler and Gambler, uh, which are strictly better. Kaya oh my has, god, yeah. Yeah. Kaya has somehow never known that you have a fighting robot until now, and uh, the writing on these two does not make sense today. No, well, like, Sayuki's definitely doesn't, uh, because she's like, she, she's known about us and has been suspicious of us for a really long time. And then she's like, oh, yeah, you're also helpful. But it really does seem like Kaya, like, Sayuki does not really let Kaya leave the, the Rambler and Gambler since she also didn't know about Nebraska at all. So, like, she's just, you know, she's, she's, she's a shut in. So, She's one of those crap children from Bob's Burgers. Yeah, so I'll I'll give the game that one, but yeah, the Sayuki stuff is very inconsistent. Sayuki is not... Sayuki is like a real... the character that screams the most of. There was some other stuff that was supposed to happen with this character. Yep, yep. Yeah, definitely. Z asks if we're fame hounds or masochists, but either way, her job is to just make sure the pilot comes back alive, so who cares who we're fighting? At the Rider, two new bounty hunters have showed up. They have an inbred aristocrat <laughs> vibe between the cape and speech patterns. What? <laughs> no, it's this. This is this is not me cracking up because you crossed a line. This is me cracking up because you nailed it. Yeah, they're, this they're is the wearing... only day I did not go around town, so it's very funny to me to hear you describe this. Uh-huh. I think the wrong day to not go around town, apparently. Yeah. Look, you wanted me to do notes and I gave them my usual thoroughness. Joy says that we are all over the news. And we can now eavesdrop on a returned Lionel and Moonshine. Lionel says their plan is a terrible idea and Moonshine asks why. Lionel's like, are you taking pleasure in seeing Lullaby kill one of us? Moonshine says, I didn't see shit. All we got was confirmation that we're on the right track. Lionel is curious Is one of them why... missing around the bar today? Uh, one of the bounty hunters? Yeah. Um, I'd not... have to double check, but I didn't notice anyone, because the ones that she calls out as being dead are people we only saw sit in for one session, as far as I know. Right, right, mm. yeah. Because we did see them earlier. Anyhow, Moonshine says she got confirmation they're on the right track, and Lionel asks why she knows it's Lullaby and not some other random person. Moonshine goes, did you know those guys? Lionel says he did not. Moonshine says she did. They were known as Ricochet, a family of professional hunters. They'd been in the game for a good 30 years. Lionel's impressed. There's not a lot of veterans in their field. Moonshine continues. Yeah, experience type. Not like these douches around here. These guys were mafia. And Lullaby wiped them out to the man. Moonshine says she saw the scene of the crime. 21 dead. 
17 hunters, three snipers in different positions almost a mile from each other, all dead, killed by the same person. Lionel does not ask what the missing one person's deal is, and the conversation ends. My favorite background thread to keep up on. Yeah, it's it, it, and it's 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 going somewhere now in ways that I really enjoy. So it is witch time, motherfuckers. Duke tells Shade that you know, knife has a lot of fun with it, but maybe we should be worried if the pressure ramps up in the spotlight. Also. Duke says he does not want to burden the boy with his problems. Shade just shoots back, too late, wizard. Again, Shade, fuck off. You're bad. Peepoo says that this fight will be broadcast worldwide, and Knife is clearly a little anxious about this. He refuses to speak about it, though. Hog and Z take turns sniping at each other, and it uh, just kind of comes off as, like, it, it's very close to flirting, they're doing the the flirty insult stuff to the point where both of them immediately clam up as they realize where the escalation is has led. She's like, she's like, I'll, I'll iron your, your ass. Yeah, I'll yes. iron your ass. And he goes, I'll break out the oils. And then he's like, uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> we're not. Imagine how good that would smell. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Se- sexual bacon. <sighs> no comment, because pork is what caused me to give up meat. <laughs> It's so yeah. It's very I the like really dumb epic bacon lobby always used to say that bake like bacon is the meat that brings vegetarians back into the meat eating fold. <laughs> I, I have not seen any evidence of that, and so yeah, if pork is the reason why you give up meat, that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, I'll be you real. Gotta get- the biggest risk to me coming back to eat meat is Popeye's chicken. Huh. There's no substitute. What? Oh my god. Oh my god. Truly a trash person. <laughs> you notice I haven't come back, unlike someone I can name. He, I did well, Chris I came back for his kid. <laughs> Just saying. My child will one day eat vegetables, and then I'll stop eating meat again. Not gonna make my life good place. When I first started dating Beef Heiress, she and I were both trying to be vegetarian, and because she was a Beef Heiress, her parents, in their panic, would always, whenever they came to visit, just stock her freezer full of extremely high-quality, like, you know, humanely uh, fed and slaughtered and free-range steaks from their ranch, and we were trying to decide what to eat for dinner once, and I open up her freezer and it's just like stacked to the brim with steaks and i was like i am not vegetarian anymore i'm gonna cook and eat these steaks and then i have i've not gone back to vegetarianism since i don't know why but i heard i heard it in my brain in the fucking godspeed you black emperor monologue i opened up my freezer (laughs) (laughs) god so important we get we get an entire he's got a whole entire pork belly that has to be like broken down every time we go to Costco. Boy makes a lot of Filipino food, a lot of pork in the house. See, mm-hmm. I I have that exact same thing, except it's the arm length sleeve of provolone from Business Costco. The good shit. <laughs> oh my god. Oh I yes. could not live that life. Oh no, it's so good. 
<laughs> sleeve of provolone is a powerful That's too long. phrase. No, That's it's so you much. Just, it's just from front to back of the fridge, and you just slice off a bit every time. You put that on whatever is so good. You mix yeah. a couple slices of that in between some spaghetti noodles or whatever your noodle of choice is. Let it melt in the heat and the steam. Oh. It also, Look, it just, I would a lot of provolone. Be... I would rather get like Havarti or something like that. Uh, Havarti, much more generic. I would be I looking at it in the fridge like like uh, like it's a string cheese for giants, though, because provolone is very close to part skim mozzarella in the first place. Yeah, they might be giants. Is about Sybil's pro- fridge provolone. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, Hagen. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, we got May a lot also, out of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, May is also here for the first time uh, because now that she's no longer possessed by a demon, she's still shy and sulky, but she's like, you know, going around and stepping outside the shack at least. And all she says, though, is there's like a bunch of like, I, uh, and then she goes, I'm here with Aunt Z. Extremely judgmental about their very nice cabin. It's okay. It's a. Mm, f- eh, mm. All right. <laughs> no classist. <laughs> okay she lives in the crap yard her aunt lives in the double wide that they're tinkering with they have like 26 cats on the premises it's a shack it's a shack there's no judgment <laughs> but it's a shack <laughs> they can live how they want to live i'm fine with it that's um, good for them i guess oh my god <laughs> Um, Nebraska can also tell that something is off with Knife, but doesn't quite get why. She just thinks it's because she's been going through his tea that he uses to help relax. <laughs> the The truck ride is, uh, the truck ride over is, uh, more shit talk between the two elders, and, um, fucking... Hog gives one of the greatest old guy rants ever where he makes like a very dumb sexual joke that a dad would make without realizing that it's inappropriate. And he's like, uh, what does he say here? I got the screenshot, but need to find it. He's like, yeah. When you turn my age, you'll be a bunch of sad, lonely old geezers. Some kid from a school field trip will ask you why you don't resemble a human being anymore. That's why you have to keep joy in your life. Like, he's very much like, yeah, I made that dumb, very sexual joke because otherwise I would turn into a bitter old hag. Mm Mm-hmm. Then Duke tries giving uh, Knife a pep talk in the cockpit. Uh, Knife says, I've got this. Uh, He gives the years of hardships line again and says, don't worry, we'll get Duke's mother back in no time. In my brain, the conversation that Knife and Shade have at the cigarette cliff happens before this fight and not after this fight. And so, like, his motivations made a ton more sense. And I really like that end. Duke says, all right, kid, just remember, it's your life on the line out there. Two things. One, like the radio effect on Duke here. We didn't have that before. Uh, Very additive. And two, I know they're just reusing this from the intro, but to me, it's been like 30 days. That is too... I'm a slow reader. Too long to still be reading Call of the Wild. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. You're not not that long of a book. (laughs) 
it's like he only reads it when he's inside the cockpit preparing for a fight and so it's like he reads five pages at a time before a fight it's the slowest read ever or he's one of those return to masculinity guys and he only reads call of the wild (laughs) there's actually a 12 rules for life jordan b peterson book uh, that's nestled inside the cover of uh of uh, call of the wild like he's secretly looking at porn in the library Then, as Duke walks off, Knife begins monologuing to himself in the closed cockpit to pep himself up. He goes, I'll take this seriously from now on. Listen up, cowboy. We ain't fighting just for fun anymore. Lives are on the line. We gotta do it right. There's no more room for stupid mistakes. No matter what happens, we have to win this fight. And I I really like uh, cowboy or Knife talking to cowboy like it's his friend. Well, to be fair, his only other friends are people in Nebraska. Yeah. Shade and Duke count as friends. He says something about it in a minute. That's true. Sad, but true. Eh, look. Duke seems okay. Duke seems fun enough to hang out with. Yes. Does he? Yes. Do I want to go to Denny's at 2 in the morning with Duke? Definitely not. But would I hang out with Duke when we're both conveniently located in the same spot? Definitely. Okay. Is that tear or friend? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Typhoon's first dialogue in the fight is, uh, oh, this is too much for me. Why do I gotta do this? And Knife immediately shows concern, asks if he's all right, and Typhoon just stands back. Of course I'm not all right. I shouldn't be here. Which to me implies that this is not the correct pilot. No! Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Knife makes also- the fool, like, kid- oh, go ahead. No, no, yeah. Uh, Typhoon's like character icon just like is a Danganronpa character, absolutely. Like you know, like one eye closed, extremely severe bob cut with uh, Julianne Moore's uh, bangs from The Big Lebowski. Uh, like grinning evilly, but also coolly. Uh, but then is totally just like very over it and very overwhelmed. Honestly, you made a comment. I kind of wonder if that one closed eye is not actually makeup, but a black eye swelled shut. Oh, maybe. That would make sense. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that until right now, but your comment uh, called that out to me and it just clicked. Mm-hmm. Knife face is like just being Kid Goku, like full smile face. Very good. It- it's great. He's like fanboying out. He's like, oh my god, I loved your band. And Typhoon is the like, the video oh, with the people in the trash bags? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Typhoon is like, uh, you liked that shit? Uh, I mean, uh, thanks, I guess. Which, again, like, you know, because we know about the twin brother uh, from a one-off line of dialogue, hmm... I love that the the video just sounds like they're like fucking making a Foles video or whatever. (laughs) See, I just thought of Missy Elliott's Superfly. Mm. I thought of Trash Humpers. Fair enough. When the fight begins, the Sayori is a mech that is going to try to keep distance while unloading at light. This is fighting my mech. The only problem is I moved first and this guy melted. Yeah. The reload is on the opposite arm of the shooting arm, if you pay attention to the animation. So you just gotta take out the one arm, and then we're good. 
I mean, you can also just like melt the chest in two turns uh, yeah. at this point. Like, I, I money maker is a hell of an attack. Uh huh. I finally like outpaced the leveling curve by playing what I thought of as normally, and so the uh, story fights are now much much easier than the fights that I'm trying in the uh, arcade arena, which is kind of a bummer because until until you find a mech that counters your one strategy you can just use the one build and one strategy again and again and and that's a bummer because like the bones of this battle system are a thing that i really like and so when i found something that just like you know move forward hit it with night eater or night killer move forward again hit it with an armor shredding round reload repeat like it just it it becomes uh very rote Mm -hmm. i did fine tune a little bit this time because now i went down to three move points, which is still enough to push them once and move into a knockback space from knockback punch, so it's just enough to keep you from getting cornered while you just shred them in melee range. And mm. uh, whenever it's available, use Cactus Guard and Seatbelt Lockdown. And Cactus yeah, yeah. Guard is strictly superior to Canyon Guard because even though it lasts one thing, it applies more armor. So you're just always maxing out your armor all of the time. And like when your defender stands, it gives you plus 30 basically every round. Uh, a lot of damage. When we destroy Typhoon, Typhoon glooms that, of course, this was going to end badly. And says that it was someone else's stupid plan that got him here. I'm, I'm glad we all figured out what the hell was happening with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The like the mechanics of of exactly how Shade got uh, Typhoon's twin brother to fight instead of Typhoon himself it's still not revealed. But yeah, it's it's I, it's. I think it's basically. Clear. Hey, I know you're doing this as a fun side thing, and you accidentally became successful. Why don't you just put your brother in it and not deal with this? <laughs> yeah, that's is yeah. I think how it worked. Hmm. And the brother uh, had to be convinced, is what I'm thinking. Forcefully, to the face. So, we have the aftermath, and Knife says he's not fighting for fun anymore, but asks the mech, is this the right way to go about it, cowboy? And we come out of the dialogue void to see Knife on the exposition cliff, with Shade standing behind him. Knife says he understands why Shade likes this place. Good wind and it's quiet. But, Knife continues, he's not sure if he's cut out for this. He's always looked up to the other three, Duke, Shade, and GW. Shade especially, and he doesn't think he's on their level. I don't like being the one people rely on. I'm the cool uncle. I show up on the weekends, everybody has a blast, and then I go back to where I was. I don't have a strong will or the drive that makes a champion. I've been thinking about what National said. I don't care about winning. I don't have any desires or passions. I like piloting, but I don't care about being the best in the world or anything like that. I just do it because it's fun, you know? Uh, Shade does an ellipsis to remind us he's alive, and Knife continues. But I realize today I can't keep living like this anymore. And in another game, this scene ends right here and Knife walks off the cliff. Final Fantasy VI. Then we replace him with, like, Sword Panther instead. Yeah. <laughs> Sword Panther. 
So Knife is still in his, like, self-doubt parade, and he goes, I should take this seriously. This is about winning that cash and stepping up. And Shade just goes, fuck you, man. Knife is initially horrified, but this time Shade actually elaborates on what he means. He goes... You think the world needs another me or GW or Duke? We act all cool, but we're a bunch of assholes and selfish kids trying to impress an invisible crowd. No wonder Chris loves this. That's right. <laughs> it's a game about being a podcaster. <laughs> uh. um, Shade then goes, I'm so stuck up my own ass, I'd never be half the man you are. The, the things you say, the way you act, I could never do it the way you do. And not because I don't want to. Knife re replies, even so, I feel like a puppet. Like I'm doing stuff without a will of my own. Shade goes, you think I know what the hell I'm doing? Shade says he's jealous of Knife, who at least gets to be the hero of the story. Shade says he has to be the one running around town, fixing problems, doing chores, avoiding every chance to say what he should. But I finally understand it had to be you. No one else is fit to pilot that robot because you're the one who's having the most fun. Don't do it for cash and don't do it for GW or do. The only reason you get in there is because you're having a blast. That's the only true reason you need to do anything. You're a true mecha pilot. Knife makes the dumbfounded face and Shade goes on. I don't mind keeping that stupid piece of crap running, regardless of Duke's rants, as long as you keep having fun. Reason is not a priority for any of us. Duke's always complaining about his situation, his mother and shit, but he's enjoying the ride. He sure feels guilty about it, but I've never seen him so fucking happy. Truth is, you're the only one who's got the balls to say what you're thinking and live by it. We're old-time friends having a blast, not because we're running away, not for some lame excuse that got us together. This is great because, um, uh, like, it is a slap in the face of so much mecha anime, which suggests that the person who needs to pilot the mecha is the one who really doesn't want to do it and we and will be forever traumatized by it. And while I love that theme in serious mecha shows because of all of the like, you know, the the cost of violence and, you know, the younger generations being forced to carry on the conflict that their parents started that they don't care about and all of that, like, you know, all of that good shit that I turned to anime mecha or mecha anime for to have this one be just like no you're the best one because you don't think about that shit you're just doing what you want to do and it's fun was very delightful to me also it's good to have shade admit like actually yeah i do suck and this and i'm aware of that it it's it's good, but also my least favorite kind of asshole is the kind of asshole who knows they're an asshole, says out loud they're an asshole, and then does not change their behavior. So it is good to hear him admit that, but also makes me want to punch him in the face even more for all of the shit that oh. he's continuing to do to manipulate his friends. News, we're only halfway through the video game. Great, okay. Terrible Need news. to realize you're an asshole before you can do something about it. <laughs> Terrible news. I was looking up something about this game this week and ended up stumbling into just full page front of an article spoilers about the final boss. And I got bad news about where this is going. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say, because Chris knows. Oh, I think where this goes is good. All I know is the boss. I don't know the ending. So 
finally, knife cut Shade off with, It's cause we enjoy being with each other, dude. And now that the tension's done, Shade asks a question that's been on his mind. What's with all this dude talk? Knife says he just started doing because it made his nieces laugh. Hey, remember the Dead Motherfucker Society? Why bring that up now? Because it feels like we're back together for real now, even without GW. Knife says that back then he was just along for the ride, wanting to hang out with the cool kids. Shade calls him a crazy bastard, and Knife says he learned it from the best. Shade tells Knife, get your ass back to the party. Everyone's waiting for you. But before they do, Knife tells Shade, we're going to win this shit, dude. I'm going to be the best pilot in the world. And we get a message telling us that skill 777 unlocked and day 30 ends. This is a skill designed for my playstyle now that the enemy health is ticking up. It is a range 4 plus attack that breaks 15 armor, hits for 40 base damage, and jacks up your morale by 30. The only downsides are. Does it have a cooldown? It doesn't warm up. say it has a cooldown. It has a warm up. Yeah, so you just fucking spam it. Well, after the first turn. So it means that, yeah, yeah. now that things last longer than a couple of turns, this is great. Uh, the only downside is it costs AP and ammo 2 per shot. Well, let's be real. That morale, very worth it. Oh, yeah. Especially since it's decoupled from your style. So you can just put on a style that has a huge attack bonus, rather than one that prefers range. Yeah, because there is no style that prefers range. None! Yet, anyway. I don't know if you get one, but, like, Defender has definitely the biggest attack bonus by a lot. That's what I'm using. I have like eight stances at this point or something along those lines. One of them has to be a long range one. I'll have to do some digging here. Tell me if you see one. Maybe it's just something I did not run into because of some combination of pineapples. I have nothing. What do we think about the this chunk of wolf stride? It will be lovely to see if anything sticks from this chunk of the writing because if it does this is a great turning point yeah that's uh, that's where i'm at um i i surprisingly really liked the tonally bizarre mafia game and the characterization that it like pushed forward and um it's like a really nice game, break it's a really nice break also unless um, you do it three times right and i also spaced out my play of this this time and um doing like one day of loop and cutscene and then putting the game away and then coming back and doing another day makes the loop a lot less monotonous because otherwise just like you know going talking to everybody doing your jobs getting some pineapples r rinse repeat like the for the first third of the game more and more stuff was continually opening up and so it felt like there was like new stuff to discover and that has settled and so now you know we've got the loop established and it can get very monotonous if you're trying to like just cram through this game but still do everything so pro tip for folks play this game a normal amount and not don't take try podcast to... notes about it and don't take podcast notes about it it's so nice to not do it was like wow this only takes an hour and a half look at that <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah this episode will wind up being a turning point in several different ways great well, I can't wait to see what we hit next time. Well, 
Let's talk about some, let's do some commercials. Hmm, okay. Well, it turns out that you can hear various hosts from this show on podcasts discussing actual anime, not this Brazilian bootleg, elsewhere on the network on Boku no Stop, where we are currently covering the finale of Code Geass Season 1 into the beginning of Iron-Blooded Orphans Season 1, and be the beginning behind a paywall at pitchdrop.cash. Love to put the bad show behind the paywall. If you are a fan of paywalled shows and want to hear a podcast about Final Fantasy XIV for as little paywalled as... Paywalled video games. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can uh, play or you can listen to Chris and I cover Final Fantasy XIV uh, in Icons and Icons for as little as a dollar a month. And we, as of this, the day that we're recording this, finished the base game for Heaven's Ward and we'll be going into the patch cycle soon. So we are making some progress and getting out of the doldrums. Finally, everyone will know why that I'm right and that Stormblood is the best one. We, we will see. You know what? We already, we already advertised all the podcast. Read The Dead House Gates. It's a good book. Yeah. Enjoy the fact that it's book two. You don't need to read the other one. It's fine. Ha! Uh-huh. Not for Garden that one. Of the moon. Gardens of the Moon is the most skippable uh, Malazan book. It's, well, I, until it, you try to read book three, and you're like, who the fuck sure. are all these people? <laughs> yeah. That means you, man. Stop reading manga. Read a book. <laughs> I'm, I'm begging you. Peace out, fuckers. Bye. See you around.